This morning's scripture is Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Just three verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Jesus Christ, amen. So the nearness of our Lord, we're calling this. And so this is the first Sunday of Advent. And we will look at some of the Advent uh, canticles as we go on, but I thought I would start with this text. Let me begin by a statement from Henry Nowen. The Lord is coming. He's always coming. Be alert to his coming. When you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will recognize him at any moment of your life. Life is Advent. Life is recognizing the coming of the Lord. So Advent is not just something that happens, you know, in one season. For Sunday of Ad, you know, December comes along and we start thinking of Advent. But uh, God is always coming towards us. Carlo Coretto has a book with that theme, God coming towards us at all times. And the challenge we have is can we tune into that reality and not be distracted? God coming toward you. God coming toward me. In whatever circumstances we're, we're dealing with, the Lord is coming, always coming. Be alert to his coming. So as we begin, we're going to think in terms of that theme and also of the idea of the Lord is near, which we have in our text. Note, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. So that's the incarnation text right there. The Lord is near. Paul has a number of these texts that celebrate the reality of the Incarnation. The Lord is near to you, to me. Wherever we are on planet Earth, the Lord is near, and we'll look more at that. So in that statement, we have a couple of essential characteristics, and the first one is the statement of rejoice, or to celebrate, joy. And you note, it's, it happens twice there. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Celebrate in the Lord always. Again, I say celebrate. So the emphasis here is rejoicing in the Lord, right? That's the key. Kyrios is Lord. Because your circumstances in the moment may not be all that joyful. You might not be celebrating your situation at the moment. But Paul reminds us, remember, he's, this is from Philippi. He spent time in jail in Philippi, right? Philippi was a garrison town. He was in jail. Stone, little stone dungeon. You get thrown in there, you never know if you're going to come out. 
We were in that Bolivian jail, that prison. Man, you get thrown in there. You might be there for 10 years. Who, who's going to get you out of there? Unless you have an advocate, you could be there for a long time. So celebrate, centering on the Lord. So, I mean, that's, that's a challenge, right? How do, we, how do we do that? How do we celebrate in the season of Advent? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, celebrate, rejoice. In the Lord, that's the key. Whether we are having a great time in life right now or not. Anyway, that's where he starts. Second, gentleness, respect. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It's interesting, these two characteristics. Paul often kind of, it's like a painting, really. It's not always just laid out logically, one piece going to the next. He, he doesn't always work that way. And so even in our text here, I mean, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then he jumps into, let your gentleness be evident to all. So how does that link with rejoice, rejoice? But it's like he's brushing, like he's painting. Like Sean working on this, you're, you're, you're painting. Dave Gelthard's done a lot of painting. Paint. One thing doesn't always connect logically with what happens before. So let your gentleness be evident to all. And the focus there is on all. It's, it's gentleness to folk who are in the church and gentleness to those who are outside of the church. That's what Paul is saying here. Let your gentleness be evident to all. We don't always do that really well, right? I know I don't. I can get frustrated. And you say things. And, you know, your, your evidence, your gentleness isn't always there. So, you know, we all do that at times. But Paul is saying, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your respect be evident to all. May you be courteous. May you be peaceable to all. So two essential characteristics for the church. One is to celebrate and rejoice as you can. And secondly, gentleness with one another. I love this text from uh, Corinthians. Paul writes, I myself, Paul, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. So that doesn't address us here. But the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's how Paul references Jesus here. The gentleness of Christ. So, you know, we're encouraged to be gentle with one another. Encouraged to be gentle with your neighbors. Encouraged to be gentle with people at work. Gentle here in the church. We don't always agree with one another. Can we be gentle to one another? That's the invitation. So two essential characteristics Paul begins with. Then the text goes on. Let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Number one, the Lord is near. 
two affirmations for the church, and that's our incarnation text. The Lord is near. The Lord is near in both in space and the Lord is near in time. So the Lord is near. The Lord is with us this morning. Where two or three are gathered, you know those kinds of texts. The Lord is near. The Lord is near when you're driving your car. The Lord is near wherever you find yourself. The Lord is near. That's a beautiful statement and, and one we can hold on to. <clears throat> we can feel very, very alone, right? But the Lord is near. So then you have to kind of deal with that. What, what does that mean for you, the Lord is near? How is the Lord near for you? Do you believe he's near? Do you believe spatially he is right with you wherever you go? And then also in time, the Lord is near you. Past, present, future. The whole strand of your life, the Lord is near. Past, present, future. When you were eight years old, the past, right now, whatever age you are, the future, the Lord is near us at every point. I love that verse, the Lord is near. But of course we can hear that and then it does nothing for us. We get to slip by. It's only four words, right? Four words in Greek, the Lord is near. Angus, near. You slip right by it, doesn't do anything for you. Or you can think about it and the Lord is near with you. He's near with you. How is he near with you? Food drive today out in Weston. How is the Lord near with us through the entire operation today? Near with you as you drive your car, if you're doing that, as you collect food. If you're in one of the runners and you're out there and you're picking it up, the Lord is near. Sorting in the gym, the Lord is near. Secondly, well, it's a nice text here, John, and the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. So that's another incarnation text, right? John 1.14. The Lord comes. We go back to Philippians 2, these famous statements, uh, verses 6 to 8. So we just go back in our book a little bit. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's the downward way. That's the downward direction of Jesus. That's the incarnational direction, right? He comes down to us. So Paul references it in a variety of places. The Lord is near, and due to his nearness, we're told that we have peace. And God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippi, as I noted, was a 
garrison town. There was a, a whole group of Roman soldiers in Philippi. Just like if you go down to Trenton, right? There's a big air base. There's a lot of soldiers around. There's a base there. It was the same in Philippi. And so Paul says, he picks up a military tomb, uh, term and he uses your guard. God will guard your heart and your mind. He will guard you. He will protect you. Guard you in your minds. And also guard you in your heart, your emotions. God will guard your mind. God will guard your heart. That's our invitation. Because we have to, we have to work with that, right? Paul says, resist the devil and he will flee. He also says, do not give the devil a foothold in your life. Because you can and I can, we can give him a foothold. And then all of a sudden, we're not being guarding our hearts and our minds. Whatever that might be. So the nearness of God ends with God's peace. The peace of God. Peace with us. The peace of God. Actually, that's the only time that phrase is used in the entire New Testament. The peace of God. And then in verse 8, it verse turns around and says, the God of peace. The peace of God. The God of peace. The tranquility of God. The gentleness of God will be yours, will be mine. That's the invitation. Can we hold on to the peace of God? The tranquility of God. In the midst of the storms, we sang that song still. In the midst of your storms, can I know the peace of God? Shalom of God, reine. So you see how it all works, right? Again, it's, it's not A, B, C, D. He's connecting all these themes. The nearness of God will help you to experience peace. And then finally, he has two more, and he says a diminishment of anxiety. God's peace will help calm your soul. Calm your anxiety. Calm your fears. We all have fears at some point, right? You've got fears. Fears can often be what? can be money-related. Fear can be relationships, fear with our children, grandkids, a lot of fears. But do not be anxious, we're told here. This chap writes, and he says this is what he means by anxiety. It has the negative connotation of anxious, harassing care, of attempting to carry the burden of the future oneself of unreasonable anxiety, especially about things over which one has no control. So, I mean, we're all, we're all anxious at some level. Paul, I don't think, is saying that you can get to the point, I can get to the point where there's absolutely zero. We can be anxious, concerned about things. But this kind of anxious, harassing care, carrying the burden of the future, we can find ourselves there, right? We got to figure it all out. You know, 
problem with kids at school, then you want to try to figure it all out. Mom and dad want to figure it all out. But oftentimes we can't figure it all out. So we have to trust, we have to depend, we have to lean. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, Peter says. It's the same word, merimanao there, anxiety. So having done all of that, where does it go? I mean, where is Paul at when he paints this picture? Rejoice, let your gentleness be known. The Lord is near. Don't worry, the peace of God. So he paints this whole picture. And I say where it ends is right here. The equilibrium comes through prayer. And I almost, I, I almost hold back on saying that because you can say prayer so much that it means zero to you. Prayer, oh, hum, hum. I've heard that since I've been six. But Paul is really saying that. He uses three words for prayer. Parashukamai, that's the number one word for prayer in the New Testament, particularly with worship. Parashukamai, pros is the prefix, means towards God. Go towards God. That's prayer. Parashukamai. Secondly, a sense of need. Jesus. A sense of need. You have a sense of need. I have a sense of need. So we bring that need, note, with thanksgiving, Paul adds. There's another little curve. And then finally, specific requests, the content of your prayer. Three words, prosyukamai, desis, idamata. I think where that really is going, and this is the key piece, is that what is prayer for you? Prayer is not ultimately you making a long grocery list and bringing those requests to God. And you're hoping that this one will be answered and that one will be answered and good things like genie in a bottle, right? God is my genie in a bottle. I rub the bottle and he'll do whatever he's going to do. That's not the point. The point of prayer is relationship. The point of prayer is conversation. To live your life in conversation with God. To live your life in relationship with God. That's what it's all about. What actually happens to your desis, to your automata, your requests, you'll see where all that goes. But that's not the main thing. You know, we say, well, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and the prayer didn't come true, so I don't believe in prayer anymore. <clears throat> that's the wrong direction. Because prayer is about your relationship with God. So what are you going to say? God, we're done? I'm going to live my life now apart from you. That's not the point. Conversation, relationship with God, it's all about that, and that's where Paul is going here. How do you rejoice? How do you know the Lord is near? How do you know his peace? Well, the only way there is that you have to be in relationship with God. You have to make that happen. That's number one. And then when you have that, there will be a sense of God with you. You still might pray for something and it doesn't happen. But you are now in relationship with God. And that's the most important thing. It might not happen right now. 
It might happen in 10 years from now. Time, God with you in time, God with you in space. His whole reality is much bigger than ours, right? God with you, God with me. So that's where Paul is going, I think. So that's what prayer is about. It's not about you making a bunch of requests and shipping it off to God. And if God answers them all, then good. I had a great day of prayer. Prayer is about your dynamic with God. The I-thou relationship. It's honestly about that. It's got to be about that. Otherwise, what, what, what's going on? If you're here on a Sunday, what, what, why are you here? I think you're here because you want to connect with God at some point. That's why you're here. You know, you might have a friend, you might have a few things like that going on, but fundamentally, you want to know God more. So Advent is about that. So two essential characteristics, joy and gentleness. See the picture, how it goes? Two affirmations, God is near, and peace. Three, two directions, less anxiety, and the activity and dynamic of prayer. That's what we want to hold on to. So we come back to now, and what do we hear? The Lord is coming. He's always coming. Be alert to his coming. When you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will recognize him at any moment of your life. Life is Advent. Life is recognizing the coming of the Lord. So in a specific way, we have four Sundays of Advent. <clears throat> this is the first. Focus on hope. The Lord is coming. So they're all reminders through this whole month that God is coming towards you. He loves you. He walks with you. He wants to be your companion. He wants to share your life. It's, it's so incredible. Eight billion people on planet Earth, and God wants to be in relationship with all of us. I mean, how does that even work, right? But that's where God's at. He wants to know you, wants to love you, wants to walk with you. At times we don't get it, right? Relatively safe right here. If we're in Gaza right now, that would be another thing, right? But God still wants to be with you whether you're in Gaza or here. If you're in Gaza, maybe it's more important than ever that you have a sense that God is with you. He's with you. He's with me. You're in Israel right now, in Jerusalem. God is with you. He's with me. So that's where we are going. And I pray that we will just kind of hear his voice. The Lord is near. Keep an eye out for these little throwaway texts that Paul uses. And they can speak on an incarnational level. Amen. Amen.